Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Let's Chat About I am your host Chris and uh, yes I am on the panel by myself again but I don't mind because I have each and every one of you that is joining me right now. Now today's topic is why did I become a funeral director? Wow, you have to dig deep for this one. I get everywhere that I go, a lot of people, there's two types of people. People that are interested in what we do and others that are, I would probably say, a little bit nervous or a little bit scared about it because they feel as though that they're going to catch death. Now, we know you can't catch death. You know, I do wash my hands and, uh, you know, we're into that whole hygiene thing. Now, I have been funeral directing for 24 years and I started with a large corporate when I first got into the industry and that was only because I couldn't get into a family-run business uh, in another state and that was in Queensland. And my wife, Emma, and I got married uh, in the September and we moved from Queensland to Melbourne, Victoria in the November. So now, pretty much, uh, is when, because uh, it is November where we are currently, uh, as we are now. And it was a change. We, we, I think we had lived, lived in Queensland for a long time and, I don't know, I had come from retail management. Um, I did a bit of nursing, a bit of ambulance, and then it just things changed. Um, so we made that big uh, trek down to Melbourne. We gave ourselves about six weeks to find a job and I sent out resumes everywhere. Now, most people that may be listening have always had the internet um, or always, you know, were able to Google search. Now, when I first came to Melbourne... We still use the yellow pages to find funeral directors and who they were and phone numbers and all of that. So, yes, it, it's um, now you don't have, well, I, I don't know of anyone that gets yellow pages anymore. Um, you may have the old yellow pages because everything is now internet based and we all know that. So, what made me get into it? I think I had been to several funerals and felt as though that the directors at that time just didn't seem to, I'm going to use the word care, I don't know if that was true or not, but just their their body language, there was not much empathy, I guess, that that was the thing, and it's like, oh yeah, whatever, I've got to go and do those flowers and that. Edge, can you go over there and just whatever they want, you know. So I just thought, you know what, I could do that better. When I was nursing, I was in an aged care facility and I used to think that funeral directors only came out at night. And <laughs> as you move through these episodes, um, we talk about that because a lot of people think that funeral directors should just be, you know, they only come out at night, right? 
Now, I remember there was this huge corridor that was going up into this aged care facility. I think it was West, West Wing. I'll use West Wing. There was East and West. And if the moon was shining, they open up those back doors. These no, Back then it was two men, um, very skinny men. They looked like lurch, really, if you, if you put a picture onto it. Um, and then they'd come and go in the blink of an eye. You just have to turn away, come back, they're gone. Doors are just sort of flapping in the wind. But it was this light, this light that shone upon them. And I went, wow, wow, that, that. Wow, I, I, I want I want to know more about this mystery um, behind funerals. So when I got into the industry in Melbourne, I started as what they call a funeral director's assistant. Now, as it says, funeral director's assistant, I am assisting the funeral director in what he or she wants me to do. The general duties would be driving, hearses, morning coaches, so family around, uh, transfer vans, so picking up the deceased, um, generalised cleaning around the branches or locations, the occasional mowing the lawn, um, you know, cleaning the toilets, all the, all the things, maybe even serving uh, refreshments at the time, picking up death certificates, picking up clothing, picking up all sorts of things. So you are um, the assistant. So whatever he or she, like I said, whatever he or she wanted, then that's what you do. There was really not much scope back then to move forward quickly. Now I look back at it now and I think there was a good reason for it. Back then, I was thinking, well, why? Why can't I be promoted? Why can't I do what I want to do? I remember um, one of my early mentors say to me, you won't become a manager for at least seven years. Now, I came into, I'm thinking, seven years, far out. That's a long time. Because most of my other jobs I've done, and then within months or six months, even 12 months, then I was promoted and things work like that. So I'm thinking, well, there's got to be a time frame, seven years. And you know what? That was pretty much to the day. <laughs> and uh, so I really enjoyed being a funeral director's assistant. Um, it's where it started my love for everything funeral-related. Um Oh, that's the other thing about funeral directors' assistants too is that they uh, assist on funerals, lowering coffins and caskets, crematoriums, all of those type of things. So, yeah, once again, everything funeral-related. Um, well, the only thing that they don't do is uh, in in the larger companies is embalming unless they're qualified for it uh, or any other mortuary care. It's normally done by the specialised people. So I, moving forward, I watched. I watched everything that my director did. Now, in today's society or today's terms, anyone that's employed by me, we teach them how to drive the hearse, which is different to any other car, just a little bit bigger, but you're dealing with someone's loved one. And you go for a, a couple of test drives uh, with nothing in the rear and then obviously then you're 
it's it's your turn. Now, when I first started, I had to wait six months. Now, in our hearses, we had a bench seat, so three, and I was squished in between the driver, it was my driver, myself, and then the funeral director. It was very, very uncomfortable. But my job was to learn from the driver and was to learn from my uh, funeral director. And after that, when they felt as though that I was ready, uh, which didn't take long, I guess, to, to do it, but I, I now look back and go, yeah, there was a reason. Then we went out and had a driving test or lesson with, oh, uh, in Victoria, it's um, RACV, but in other states or other countries, it might be, you know, motor registry or, or um, licensing. I'm not sure what it is in your area. And then we went out for an hour and a half and we had to do parking, we had to do driving, we were just merging, we did everything. Now, <coughs> excuse me, now it doesn't happen. So apart from the hearse, then you've got the driving, the transport vehicle, and that might be a wagon, it might be a van. Um, back in those days, it was a Toyota High Ace, and then they went to the Mercedes Vitos. And you learnt everything body transfer-wise. And uh, that was a bit of an eye-opener because I remember my very well, one of my very first times in going to our mortuary was seeing multiple persons deceased. And you don't know how you're going to react until you're physically there doing it. Um, and I don't know, just seeing everyone doing their thing. And, and we're talking about a period that was very different to what it is now. Because unfortunately the period that it is now in some of these um, locations... Um, you know, things have aged, think techniques have changed. Um, but I was very lucky that I earned, uh, earned, that I learnt by the old school. So people that have been doing it for quite similar years to what I am now, so 20, 20 plus years. Um, yeah, and, and I really haven't, and I haven't looked back, you know. It's um, obviously, obviously I haven't looked back. Why would I own my own if, um, if I didn't like it? Um but I went through the ranks. I went from driver to then funeral arranger conductor. So, and it's got nothing to do with trams or trains. Um, so arranging the funerals with the family and coordinating it. So it's really just like event planning. You have a venue, you have flowers, you have food, you have uh, someone to MC, so a celebrant or minister. Then you've got obviously, oh, the vehicles, here we are. We've got the limo. Um, all of those type of things and coordinating all of that together. So, uh, and I got into an area that was, had a different financial range from low to high. So I was very blessed to be there and blessed to be mentored with a lady um, that was just amazing. Um, and she made me who I am today or one of the ones that has made me who I am today. Very, very thankful um, for her and uh, and her team. Um, moving from a ranger, I went from pillar to post, uh, different different brands, all under the same corporate banner, if that makes sense, because there's a lot of corporate funeral directors that have multiple funeral homes underneath that banner. 
Um, and then a position came up for location manager out in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne and I took the challenge and uh, got to refit uh, or totally nearly rebuild a funeral home uh, that they had out there and still was able to maintain uh, a lot of our funeral numbers and, you know, our PR around the area. So we were very blessed to have that. Um, going from funeral manager uh, or location manager, uh, I was pretty much on the cusp of regional manager. Um, but then unfortunately I got quite ill and uh, I had to, because um, at the time it was like, well, if you can't perform, then you need to step aside for, for the moment and allow others to, to do that. So I did that and um, I ended up leaving the industry and pursuing uh, to be a wedding celebrant. Actually, I did that before. I was studying to do that before I left. And um, just to give a little bit of a, a little bit of a change, you know, because just to, it, it, it's, it's a very emotional um role uh it's physically demanding if you're having to lift and carry and and lower and all sorts of things you're using muscles that you probably didn't think you ever had but also mentally mentally i think that's what got me in the end because it was like fight or flight everything was like come on come on i gotta do this gotta do this and then oh now we've got shareholders and now they want this and it's like I can't control the death industry. I can't control the death rate. I don't know what's going to happen, how this is going to work. Um, yeah, so like I said, I became a wedding celebrant and then I started doing, before I left, doing some services because it might be, oh, they, they didn't want a celebrant, so I ended up stepping in. And I, look, I think over a period of time I just watched and learnt other people doing it. To be honest... And it sounds really weird because I can talk in front of anyone now uh, in a gathering. Um, I was a bit nervous. I wasn't one to be up front and centre. Um, but as a funeral director, you need to be able to have the ability to communicate with the people that have come. And that's what you're doing. You're directing them. Where where do I sit? Where do I do? What music do I put? You know, like, so you are the director. If you're there and you go, silently it's not going to work you need to use your deep voice and or you know um not yell but raise your voice and ladies and gentlemen please if you can make start making your way into the chapel or we're now going to be making our way to the graveside please follow the hearse whatever that is you need you need to be able to do that wow yes so um it it after, you know, I, I guess step uh, when I uh, stood aside and I thought, you know what, no. And and my, my health and all that had to come first um, and my family. And the other thing too is that you've got to remember with this type of industry, it's not a job. And I use the word job because everyone's going, oh, it's my job. It's a calling or it's a way of life, Okay. This side takes commitment and it takes sacrifice. In the early days, I would have gone, what are you talking about? I'm not sacrificing for religious reasons like a lamb or something like that. 
poor Lemmy. Baba. Um, we are 24-7, you know, in the early days is if you were out on the transfer van, that's it. Like you got to call at 2am, you're out. You got home, say, 4.30 and you got another call, you're back out. So the broken sleep, the commitment, social life, work, you know, when I say social life, it, you still have it, okay, but things are totally different now to what it used to be. You know, you could Christmas time, you could be on a roster and then all of a sudden, you know, you get a call Christmas Day, someone's choked on a turkey bone or something, you know. Um, now, obviously, coroners get involved and things like that. So very, very different. But um, looking back over the years, like I said, I'm, I'm so grateful that we were able to do or learn how I learnt. And even with mortuary preparation. So what we do here now is anyone that um, has been employed uh, or is employed with me um, is everyone gets a taste of everything. Everyone's got to know what our price structure is. Everyone's got to know how to talk to families, how to drive, how to do a transfer of a, uh, of a loved one, how to wash and dress them, how to do features, uh, all the other tricks and things that we do to make people look beautiful. Um, then obviously you've got the, the cleaning and the car maintenance and, and all of those things. So if you're not willing to get your hands dirty and things like that, then this industry is probably not for you. Um, there is other roles that people can do like admin, but then still if an admin person was looking after a viewing and something was wrong with that that deceased, you need to know how to fix that. Just in case any of the assistants or the directors aren't there at the time, you need to be able to fix that. I remember uh, interviewing people, this was while corporate days, and, you know, people coming in for, like, driving positions. Oh, I don't want, oh, you know, I've got to see deceased people. No, no, I can't. It's like, well, why are you coming into this industry then? if you don't want to see that. So I hope that all makes sense with what I'm talking about and why I got into it. And, um, you know, look, I certainly have my moments, like why, how, but, you know, we, we've got a good support at home and that's very important. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, if it is something that you've always had an interest in, then maybe reach out to your local funeral home um, and just find out. Don't lose hope because once people are in it, they don't tend to like to leave. The ones that do leave want to get back into it. So um, that's what I did, um, but starting my own. And that was a bit of a hard slog um, and it's not just an overnight. A lot of people go, oh, you know, death industry, oh, yeah, you'd be making heaps of money. No, it's not about the money. Um, you need to build reputation. It's like a hairdresser or a restaurant. You know, you're going to keep going back if you get the right service. But the only difference is we might get a funeral now and not get another one for another 10 to 15 years. So, um, or could be three years down the track, you know. But we have a lot of our uh, families that still follow us on social media and uh, we see him out on other funerals and it becomes like a reunion and it's it's quite humbling. Um, so there you go. So I hope, hope that's been able to um, uh, shed some light of why 
I started in this industry. Um, so thank you very much for sharing that journey with me. Uh, I do like going back and uh, talking about how I started and um, sort of as I'm getting older now, it brings things back in your mind which you don't want to ever forget. So thank you very much. Enjoy what you're doing and, uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of the episodes. Bye for now.